Welcome to the Commercial Edge Podcast with me, the founder of Froxley, Chris Weber. In each episode, I talk to a different expert. They tell me about their experiences, their ideas, and their knowledge on how to get the best out of people and business. We discuss the issues that are facing businesses and talk through the lessons that they've learned in solving these problems. I'm going to provide you with insight, experiences, and tips that you can use to get the most from the people around you and unleash the power of people. So let's meet my guest for today's episode. Kate Waterfall-Hill brings 30 years of leadership to her coaching practice. She uses humour to ensure clients enjoy the experience as well as finding tangible solutions to their most pressing leadership challenges. She was the MD of a marketing agency at 29 and she rose up the ranks by using her focus to influence positive outcomes and to nurture talent. Kate started her own consultancy in 2007, supporting a range of SMEs in need of director-level input and covering a range of issues. In recent years, Kate has dedicated herself to leadership coaching and as part of this creates videos to share on social media channels. Kate's videos have had over 50 million views. Her alter ego called Linda the Bad Manager illustrates the traps that leaders often fall into, raising a smile from her 171,000 TikTok and Facebook followers. Kate Waterfall-Hill, it is great to have you on the podcast. It is great to be here. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it this morning. No problem. My pleasure. So, Kate, this series of the podcast, we're going to be talking about difficult conversations. So tell us a bit about um, how you, you know, who you are, what you do and, and how difficult conversations relates to your levels of experience and expertise. Sure. So I, um, you can't see me, but I have got some grey hair and it means I've been in business for over 30 years, which doesn't make me um, a dinosaur because it just makes me experienced and wise is how I like to put it. Um, And I started my career in a marketing agency and six months in, I was made a manager. And by the time I was 27, I was on the board and I was the managing director at 29. So I had quite a a quick rise up in a small agency. I'm not, it wasn't WPP or anything, but we did have some big clients. You know, we had Vodafone and Virgin and Eon and various different other, you know, big brands that you'd know. Yeah. And so in an agency of, you know, that grew from 12 people when I started to 60 people when I left in 2007, there was a lot of change. You know, we had we went through a, a lot of growth and, and some retraction. So we had lots of difficult conversations, you know, hiring people, um, disciplining people, grievances, um, uh, unfortunately, letting people go and those sorts of things. So th- there was always performance management to be had. And the bit that I really, really loved, always loved, was getting somebody who maybe was a bit underperforming and then helping them and helping their managers turn them into a great performance, um, you know, a star performer. And so this sort of having what people say are difficult conversations, I like to turn on its head and say there are opportunities for growth, opportunities, opportunities to learn. And, you know, they always say, don't they fail fast, learn fast. And I yeah. really believe that, you know, you, you don't you don't grow unless you're maybe making a mistake along the way or feeling slightly uncomfortable going out of your comfort zone. So the whole idea of difficult conversations, we talk about that quite a lot. It's I, I don't like the phrase. You know, I, I love it if people turn that phrase on its head and say, actually, this is an opportunity to do something new and different and better. OK, so you talked about uh, being 29, being an executive in an advertising agency and the opportunity to learn through difficult conversations. 
was that an opportunity for you to learn how to do it? I think so. Yeah, there's probably a lot of growth going on for me as well. And I, and I, over the 30 years I've been in business, there's been a lot of, uh, uh, you know, trial and error. Um, and uh, I wouldn't say I'm the finished article yet. You know, we're all still learning and still growing all the time. We're all work in progress. But certainly um, through those formative years of the marketing agency, the first 15 years of my career, there was a lot of that, you know, there was a lot of having difficult conversations, not just with members of staff and, and uh, peers and stakeholders, but also with clients. You know, we were you know, managing these really quite big, you know, global brands and some of them were really demanding and having those conversations um, to manage their expectations or maybe um, having a little bit of a disagreement about an approach to uh, a crisis management situation, for instance, you know, you had to be diplomatic. You had to be, you know, work mm-hmm. out how to put things so that they landed well. And I always, when I'm coaching people, I'm always talking to them about keeping an eye on the outcome. You know, what do you want the end result to be? And if you want the end result of the conversation to be that the person understands your your point of view, that you understand their point of view and can see their perspective, and that you can um, resolve any conflict or tension, then that's the outcome that you you, you ultimately want. And so the Mm -hmm. best way to do that is actually having these conversations in a kind, empathetic, understanding way that but still has has an eye on on getting the results. So I I think, um, yeah, it certainly was my learning as much as anything else. And um, but, you know, I now I I actually relish the opportunity of having what other people think of as difficult conversations, because to me, it's a really good intellectual and leadership challenge that I, I really enjoy. Yeah. And and what your philosophy there just very much connects with the way that I see the world and the balance mm. between relationships and results and, and the fact that within any, within any organization, you're trying to deliver results, but you're also trying to maintain the right culture and the right um, atmosphere for people to get, you know, to get the best out of people. And I think what you're you're alluding to there is that there are times when you can be nice to people, but if it's not delivering the right results, then actually you're damaging the culture overall because you might have one person perhaps who isn't performing at the same level as other people or, or uh, you know, and, and you have to have a performance management conversation. And I'm just curious as to being, is that is that where you're going with that, that these these opportunities to grow and these these difficult conversations are about making sure that it's the best place for, to work for everybody? Yeah, absolutely. And that ties really um, nicely and with psychological safety, doesn't it? So if, if you say, say you've had a project that there's been some issues with along the way. So often, um, you know, project managers or, or line managers will say, right, OK, let's have a, a wash up meeting or a postmortem. And then they're looking for what went wrong, who's to blame, you know, what are we going to do about it? Heads will roll sort of uh, type mm. of approach. Yeah. Whereas my, my approach to that is to say, OK, let, let's let's look at what went well and why and then let's look at the the challenges and what did we learn and what could we do differently uh, next time and this this sort of approach will change your tone and your language your approach and how you go into that meeting you're not looking for for whose head is going to roll you're looking for how can we learn and, and make the best of this opportunity and this encourages people to admit mistakes mm-hmm. because if you have an atmosphere that doesn't have psychological safety, that people think they're going to get judged or shouted at or ridiculed or, or, or reprimanded in some way, then, they, then they'll then they hide things, you know, and that's the worst yeah. thing, you know, the worst thing you, yeah. you, 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 that you could do is to 
uh, you know, make, make the mistake even worse by not admitting it and not coming up with a solution. So, yeah, so the psychological safety is a really important aspect of, of all learning and, and growth and innovation and creativity and taking risks that are, 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 are you know, well thought through um, calculated risks that yeah. can and, be really and, beneficial. And you use the, the B word blame. And I, and I find that as being one of the most kind of difficult things to deal with in terms of these difficult conversations, because you're right. Feedback to me often creates negative, a negative reaction mm. because it's associated with that B word with blame with it's my fault. And, and I guess certainly I'm assuming that's not your intent when you, when you have these conversations. Absolutely. I mean, you know, what what on earth benefit can there be from from making somebody feel small for something that, they, that they've done with all good intent? You know, I think as long as people have, you know, aren't, aren't uh, negligent or willfully um, performing badly, which I don't think many people do. I don't think people wake up in the morning and think, yeah, I'm going to be a little bit less good than I could be today. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, going to be, I'm going to perform in an average way, or I'm going to perform in a malicious way, or or a or a nasty way. Even people who behave badly, I I think there's usually a reason. I don't yeah. you know without wanting to be an amateur psychologist about it. Either it's because they don't have the skills or the training or the resources. They don't understand. The, the point of the, the job they've been given to do. They don't get the purpose, how it fits into the bigger picture. They don't understand your expectations. You haven't been clear enough. Um, they're, they're not rewarded in the right way. You know, maybe there's a reward plan that rewards a different type of behavior and you, you haven't noticed that. Or actually, maybe there's just something else going on that's distracting them. Either something in the office, they, they, in the workplace, they don't get on with one of their colleagues or there's something going on at home, whether it's a mental health mm. issue, financial burden, you know, crisis in the world, it can affect people. And, and, you know, as leaders, we need to be open to that and, and actually look at ourselves in the mirror and, and see that potentially underperformance or bad behavior actually is, you know, what's the role of leader in that? You know, have you, can you look yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, I've done everything I can to set this person up for success or is yeah. there something more you could do? Yeah. And, and you talked about psychological safety and I think mm-hmm. sometimes I, t- I totally agree. I remember a boss of mine years ago saying that, mantra of no one gets up to do a bad job um and it it always stuck with me and but but that element of psychological safety and not wanting to make mistakes i've seen people in in teaching sessions hide themselves so they they don't really take on the lessons but they do they do things um and and they're designed to kind of hide who they are and so mm. it's, it comes out sometimes as poor behavior. It might be cracking jokes when, you know, when, when they should be practicing a presentation, they, they crack jokes and they're trying to be funny. And it's a bit of hiding. It's a bit of discomfort. And I think that's because there's this fear of being vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, then, and a lot of people have a fear of, of sort of, yeah, being potentially being seen um, as something that they don't, perceive themselves to be you know and there's a mm. difference between um how they're trying to portray themselves and actually who they are um but that's maybe a deeper philosophical question <laughs> <laughs> so okay one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you was we had a conversation a few weeks ago and you talked a bit about facilitating discussions between people where there's tension between people mm-hmm. and I, and and that being a difficult conversation and i think that is a really curious element because I've worked in a number of organizations where leaders have 
have realized that maybe a couple of their team members don't really get along and their response to that is to ignore it or to say yeah you you guys need to fix this and you seem to have a much more proactive approach to that and and i don't know whether that's come from your experience of working in the agency or whether you've developed it since but it sounds like a really magic ingredient and i'd love to get get to understand a bit more about it absolutely yeah i think um i just really don't like having unspoken tension or, or conflict or, or even spoken conflict with that, that and not addressing it I've always been that sort of person I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to lean into something and say oh that I noticed that you looked a bit uncomfortable then or I noticed that you know you didn't behave in a way that you normally would do what what was going on for you then and I'm very happy to have those conversations so I think that's maybe part of it and probably why I ended up being a coach is because I'm uh, you know I am naturally curious and ask those sorts of questions um and and so to, to my mind, having an underlying tension that you can, other people can sense that affects people's output and people's enjoyment of work just isn't OK. You know, and, and, and as leaders, we need to step up and say, actually, what's going on here mm-hmm. and, 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 and make sure that both parties feel heard. And that's that's often the most important thing is the sense that uh, you that, you know, everyone feels heard and listened to and understood so just taking a step back about the definition of what conflict is or, or and in fact, any sort of tension, whether it's full blown, you know, I hate this other person and we can't speak to each other without shouting or, or we ignore each other even worse or or just a sort of unspoken, just a, a bit of discomfort is to understand actually what conflict is and what, what the gap is. And the gap is often um, I think there's you know, quite a few definitions of it, but but in essence, it's when there's a difference, a gap between what you expect and what you've experienced. Okay. And, so, and, and, and why there's a, a, a conflict is because somebody has misunderstood the expectation or, or there's not an alignment in expectation. It hasn't been spoken of. People don't understand what the expectation is. And therefore, there's this gap when it's not delivered. The experience doesn't live up to it. Yeah. So resolving conflict successfully can be and and to my mind should be a meeting of minds so it's not a you know you win you lose um situation it's a a shared um i suppose endeavor struggle you know and it it, it is you know it can be you know it's not easy to resolve conflict and i think if we face into that that that's a good idea as well to understand that it can be a struggle but that it's it's a it's a creative process so it's thinking differently you know and, and putting aside one's biases one one's um you know worldview perhaps or one's one's beliefs just for a moment and suspending that to understand the other person's perspective mm-hmm. so it's a sort of shared struggle and it's a creative endeavor but also importantly that it it needs to preserve the dignity of both parties and i like that bit of the definition because it, it makes it really clear at the outset when you are having a, a, a facilitating a, a two people who are having a conflict that actually you, you're saying to them, there's not going to be a winner and a loser in this. This isn't a competition. This mm-hmm. is a we the, the 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 finish line is going to be when we get an outcome that both of you are happy with that resolves the situation for the success of the organisation or the team or the project or you know whatever is at stake here that that's that's not in not benefiting from this friction. So, so tell me, sorry, yeah, and it sounds it sounds fantastic, and I and I and I love the theories, and, and I'd love to delve into it in a second. I'm curious about how you get buy-in to have this conversation, and how does it? How talk us a bit through that process of a manager notices that there is some tension between two people. Um, 
what happens? Because I can imagine a number of situations. Like one person says, no, there's no problem. It's all fine. Yeah. Um, someone else kind of goes in with, well, of course, it's their their issue. They're the one being difficult. And how, how do you even get into the room <laughs> to yeah. have this conversation without, yeah, yeah. you know, the tension getting worse? Yeah, it can it can be tricky, and it sort of depends on on the personalities and the people and the circumstances. But I'll, I'll give you a really good example. I had I had a, a situation in a, in a business where two um, people were coming to me complaining about the other one, um, and I was getting uh, blind copied into emails that were going to and fro. Oh, blind copy. I mean, why did Microsoft <laughs> invent that? I don't know. <laughs> um, and. It was really escalating out of control. And the thing was, that being being the person, and, and I genuinely was in, in between, I could see both points of view, but I could also see that both people were being unreasonable. But I could see, you know, wh- where it was stemming from. So I said to them independently, um, you know, I, I can, I hear you, I, I sort of understand what you're saying, but this isn't going to be okay. This isn't going to go away on its own. This, this conflict is getting worse and worse. Would you you know almost do me a favor sort of like you know would you would you do me the honor of help of seeing if I can help you resolve this and and I didn't call it a conflict resolution meeting but that's what it was but I didn't call it that because I think that's maybe um inflames the situation rather than helps it yeah so I went to both parties and and you know with a with a very similar uh uh, um uh, approach to say you know uh, yeah wouldn't it be great if if we could if we could get through this and, and resolve this and so you didn't have this huge um uh friction and they both said well yeah i suppose so but um, <laughs> if, if you're going to get me in a room with the other person um and they shout at me i'm leaving uh or if, or if they don't let me say my bit then i'm leaving or you know it's, it's not going to work and i said no you need to you know please please just trust me i'm going to manage this really well you're going to get your chance to speak you they will not be able to interrupt you um but I would love it if you would listen to their point of view as well. So yeah. it, it, it's really how you set it up in the first place. It's sort of uh, it's it's make, letting them know that there's it, there's not going as I said before, it's not going to be a winner or a loser situation. It's just a let's see what the other person's got to say, see if they can understand you, see if you can understand them, and then we'll see what happens. I'm not expecting, uh, you know, a, a, an instant um, fix. But let's see. This could be the start of a different way of moving forwards and a, a positive way of moving forwards. Will you will you give it a try? Will you do that for me? So it's yeah. sort of like that was the approach. Um, anyway, so we had we had the the meeting, and and the essence of it is that you give each person uh, actually ten minutes to speak. They don't need ten minutes to speak. It's really hard to speak for ten minutes without somebody interjecting or giving you some fuel <laughs> or fire or or you know answering back. And the other person has yeah. to remain quiet. So the, the, you, you literally toss a coin of who's going to go first. And, uh, and, the, and the understanding is that, you know, person A gets their 10 minutes and they run out of steam after two. And all they're allowed to say is their point of view. So they're only allowed to use I statements. So I mm-hmm. feel, I think, I notice, I see, um, I felt. No, no, you know, you made me, you never, you always, those sorts of... Uh, and if they do, is there, is there like the referee steps in and says... Yeah, absolutely. Correction. Yes, okay. facilitator, you sort of say, okay, can I just remind you just to, just uh, we, we, at this stage, we just want to hear, you know, how this situation made you feel or, 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 you know, the facts of the situation, what your team was going through, why this was hard for you, that sort of thing, rather than any... Um, defensiveness or accusation or attack of the other person and the the other person has the same rules you know they hear you say those rules 
to each, to both parties so they know they have to abide by it as well and the other person's not allowed to interrupt but the brief in the briefing point part it's important that person b when person a is speaking person b has to concentrate because in a minute they're going to be asked to reflect back what they heard so they have to really listen really actively to make sure they're really really listening so they can't just mm. be sitting there thinking well when it's my turn i'm going to say this okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's not the point so person a speaks they run out of steam after a couple of minutes usually then it goes to person b and then you have to remind person b that they're not there to reply they are there to say their point of view as if they had gone first okay so do you yeah. get the, the subtle difference? So it's not them yeah, responding yeah. to person A, it's them saying that, and I felt, and I thought, and I saw, and I noticed, and my team, point, my team's point of view is this. Mm-hmm. And then they reflect back. So then you go back to person A, they reflect back what person B said and vice versa. And sometimes that can be enough. You know, just feeling like you got you, A, you had a chance to say your piece without being interrupted. B, mm-hmm. you have your point of view reflected back by your, enemy as it were in inverted commas mm-hmm. um and sometimes that can be oh okay so i a i'm being heard and b actually i understand a little bit more about their point of view ah okay we can move forward now but if that's not enough it might well be that in that session if you have a positive enough um uh, atmosphere and, and and response from both parties that they can actually see a way forward so as facilitator it would be okay can you see steps that we might take to um, you know, make the situation easier or resolve this situation. And often they can. And mm-hmm. then, then it's up to the facilitator to make sure that actions are agreed, timelines are agreed, responsibilities are agreed, like you would in any meeting, but this is even more important. And that patch you revisit it. And it might be that one session isn't enough. It might mm-hmm. be that, you know, you start with both parties saying their piece, both parties reflecting the other one, and then you break for a bit before you come back again another day to see if you can find some solutions. Mm-hmm. And and you focus on the the point of tension, or do you expand the conversation into areas where they have commonality and there's overlap? So trying to build construction over positives. Because I've read some research over the years that says that when people focus on the things that they have, the points of difference, it kind of can drive a wedge between because like, I, I just don't agree with that point of view. I don't, I don't accept that that's the case, but when you start to see where they are the same, you know, lots of various things in life that we, we have overlaps in common with other people mm. that they, they can bridge those gaps. And I think that the one I'm thinking about was um, around, um, sports fans and they had kind of like you know an enemy team shall we say and supporters who disliked each other and disliked their um you know the the the, this huge rivalry and they would never agree that their other team was better than their team or that you know whatever was the case but what they then started to they did start to understand though was this guy also has the same passion I have for the same sport I have that we both, you know, the, the, the commonalities mm. gave them a bridge to, to build respect rather than necessarily agreeing on points of difference. How, does that come in the, to this or is it really about focusing on the, the, challenge, the, the challenge and the conflict? No, I think it absolutely comes into it. And, and, and you would hope naturally it would come into it because when they reflect back what the other person said, they are seeing 
the commonality in it. You know, they're saying, oh, I can see actually from your point of view, this is also difficult or this this is challenging for you because you've got these pressures on you and the resources aren't enough or that, that you know, that this the, the project at hand is too complex or whatever. And, and actually, just by reflecting, they see the commonalities. If they don't see them automatically, then yes, the facilitator could could suggest what can you see that mirrors what you're you're noticing and seeing from the other person's point of view, mm-hmm. and really starting to sort of encourage them to um, take a position where they can understand the other person's point of view. Sit, you know, stand in the other person's shoes, yeah. um, and and but it, I suppose it's important to actually focus on the 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 feeling you know and the the emotion behind it and the underlying um resistance you know what it what is the resistance there what is the obstacle what is the challenge and mm. actually again as i was talking about before you know what's the challenge but also importantly what's the learning yes yeah. there's um there's a there's a theory um i think it's in the i've done so many courses and read so many books i can ne- never quite remember where i got it from but <laughs> i think this one is from positive intelligence have you done that course no, I haven't. So it's a it's a really interesting one actually. It's by a guy, a guy called Shirzad Chemain, and he he's written this book and then done this the, this course called Positive Intelligence. And he he um, says that you know we all have our sage brain, and then we have a number of saboteurs that tend to sort of get in the way, um, yeah. and and you know our, our instinctive response can sometimes not be terribly helpful. One of the tools he says when you've got conflict is that you're you you need to look for the ten percent in what somebody else is saying that's right even if you wholeheartedly completely utterly don't believe a word they say or don't agree with the word they say or in actual fact you happen to know that there's a a fact to you know to be not true so for instance say for for instance you believe the world was round and you met somebody who believed the world was flat Mm -hmm. and you believe you have 100% evidence for the world being round (laughs) <laughs> rather than just sort of screaming at the other person that they're that they're mad they're wrong. yeah <laughs> that they're wrong exactly is to look for the 10 percent that's right and, and even if it's not factually correct in your opinion look for the 10 percent reason from their perspective why it feels right so it mm-hmm. feels right to them because they're standing on flat earth right now and they're not falling off the edge of it so to yeah. them it seems like it could be possible that the earth is uh, earth is flat it, you know it and so so just searching for the 10% can sometimes unlock a bit more understanding a bit more empathy a bit less judgment yeah Even i like if, that yeah it's it's a it's a nice nice thing to encourage yeah it's that kind of how how did you draw this conclusion you're asking yeah. yourself how did they draw that conclusion and therefore what where can i you know so i can understand the empathy of of why why you might think that you're yeah. still wrong but <laughs> i can i can understand why you might have drawn that conclusion yeah, and and it and it's it's sort of trying to help people see that looking through the eyes of somebody else in terms of their worldview, their perspective, their experience, their beliefs, and you know the stories that they tell themselves or have been told by their um, during their upbringing are the things you know those beliefs are the things that uh, inform our thoughts, aren't they? And then the, you know our thoughts lead to our feelings and our emotions and our behaviors and our actions and there's a you know there's a direct correlation between between those things so if you can sort of get under the skin of why why is that your belief then then perhaps you can understand the action and and earlier on you talked about biases so you Mm. talked about um you know the biases that people take into there um do you feel those are a real common cause of tension that it's 
and, and that they I, I imagine they float to the surface quite quickly in, in these kind of conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And there are so many biases, aren't there? But, you know, the, 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 the most common ones in, in terms of conflict are the are confirmation bias and, and, um, and unconscious bias. So it's really, again, the job of the facilitator to maybe really gently question those. Say, you know, so what, what, do you, what is your understanding um, in terms of, you know, your, your perspective, but also what assumptions might you be making in, in that statement? And what, um, what, contradictions might you be making in that statement because you believe this to be true you're looking for the evidence which supports your um, decision or your point of view perhaps we could look at some other evidence from the other person's point of view and see what that looks like so that would be sort of challenging the confirmation bias and 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 you know unconscious bias is really hard because it's unconscious <laughs> you know we, we we you know and then there's a reason why we have these biases is to help us shortcut our decisions and and you know learn from our uh, experience. The trouble is, we sometimes learn from our experience uh, in in a way that's not terribly helpful because uh, new experiences are new experiences, and sometimes it's it's different. It's not always the way it, it was in the first place. Or when you learned how to respond to a spider walking across a, a floor when you were young, you know, you screamed at yeah. it and ran, ran away because you believed it to be inherently bad. But yeah. actually, you could relearn that actually that spider's not going to do you any harm. You yeah, don't need to be scared of it anymore. So yeah, so there's there's a lot to be said about about bias and and the way that we could use that into uh, in conflict resolution to highlight the the uh, why we have a different perspective. And and how much do you think um, their intention has to be pure? I mean, I'm thinking of various industries I know where there is tension and conflict between different people, and there is an agenda. So there's the, you know, people come into this with an agenda, whatever that agenda might be. And so their intention may not be entirely pure in, in the case of doing this. Is there still real value in having these facilitated conversations to build some bridges, even if people going in there with a, with a, with a, you know, a suspicion or a, an agenda which says I'm you know I'm, I can't agree with them because of who they are or because of what they represent ah yeah it's a really difficult one isn't it because again you know what going back to what the, the point we were talking about earlier about do people wake up in the morning deliberately being difficult yeah. and you know I, I think sometimes you know people do have conflict and they do have an agenda but if you can facilitate it in a way that's very really positive and actually looking to find a way to make life better for everybody not just one party then um you know i'd hope that agenda would fall away because actually if you if you you know and, and coaching is a really good way of doing this is getting under the skin of why there's resistance why is there an agenda anyway you know mm. what what is it um that's working behind the scenes here that makes you not want to resolve this because mm. actually calling stuff out you know having having a facilitated conversation says it's basically the facilitator or the manager saying it's not okay for this tension to carry on yeah we've got to move forward in some some way and we either do it in this you know very grown-up measured sensible way that we try to find some middle ground and we try to find a, a solution that preserves the dignity of both parties as i said earlier um or, or you know, something else has got to give. You know, this is not tolerable. This is not okay. And I, and I think, I think sometimes leaders who bury their head in the sand about tension or conflict actually are just doing nobody any favors. There's a, there's an atmosphere in the office. It can it can just get worse and worse, can't it? And it, it very very rarely 
um, just sort of fizzled out and resolves itself. It does need some proactive action, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I do think this is the this is the magic ingredient of that that many managers struggle with is mm-hmm. that there is tension in teams and there's lots of team development models and team evolution models that talk about a, a storming phase or a, a time of conflict or a time of tension where people are getting to know each other and there's a bit of jostling and a bit of kind of you know uh, politics being played out and but there's very little advice on how to proactively manage that and how proactively deal with that and i think this is this is where i think this is really really useful and really helpful have you you know have you seen it play that way where you know uh, you know managers are able to use these skills and, and you've coached people who use these skills to settle a team together and then and then they've got through it and then suddenly you know life gets easier and, and people do connect yeah definitely and and uh, sorry ju- just to jump in with a, an answer that you haven't asked me the question for but well, <laughs> no you, no I, yeah please don't <laughs> what, what you just said reminded me of something else is that it's really important to focus on one thing at a time that it's tempting when you're trying to resolve conflict to say um well there's this issue and you know this is where you're wrong and this is where i'm right oh and another thing you always do is this this <laughs> and another thing is this this and this and then and, and last week and last month and last year and actually the facilitator's job needs to be let's focus on one thing at a time um and and you know re- reframing it again as i said before as opportunities for growth or learning or a positive change and, yeah. and and I think if it if it's focused, um, it can help everyone feel less sort of nervous going into the discussion that there's going to be a shopping list of things that you're going to have to defend yourself against. No, mm-hmm. it's actually just this one thing. And yeah, um, yeah. And, and so just before yes, yeah, let's, let's go back to that. So mm-hmm. then you're going to have pre meetings with both people, I guess, right? Because yeah. you need to understand the context before you get people into the room um, yeah. to be prepared for this. Do you then have a um, I guess, what's the most important thing and deal with that? Or do you deal with the easiest thing to do? And do they both have to agree what the thing is that they're going to discuss? Ah, <laughs> all really good questions. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in um, making uh, quick progress um, to show and illustrate the fact that this, this um, concept can work. So ideally, you would take something that you can see could be a relatively quick win as your first you know point uh, point of um, contact and, yeah. and and bring them together over one one sort of relatively quick thing that's easy to solve and then they can say oh actually this process is okay it's 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 um it's not scary i don't need to worry about it too much and then maybe bring up a bigger uh, subject next time okay so yeah low-hanging fruit is the, not not and, the best and do they both have to agree on the same issue yeah, that's a tricky one. I think it depends on what the conflict is, um, whether it's the facilitator's choice, because it's the, it's the thing that they can see could be resolved really quickly and we could move forward. Um, and if there are a number of things, you know, what's the most important for the rest of the team or the rest of the business? So I guess, I guess it needs to be a discussion. It sort of depends on the circumstance. Difficult for me to say without knowing what the specific issue is. Yeah. So then let's go back. Then you, do you see then going through this process and then it does, there is calm on the other side of this storm? Yes, it can. It can do. But it's often the first step 
in building a relationship because like in any relationship whether it's a personal one or a professional one it doesn't just happen quickly overnight you don't just meet somebody and say hello I'm your your new manager you're to respect me and we're going to get on really well it doesn't happen like that you know you have to build (laughs) build that respect and build that trust and that psychological safety and build any any relationship so where you've had particularly two people who have been in conflict particularly if they've been in conflict or had some tension between them for some time one facilitated meeting is not going to solve all their issues. They are not going to be, um, you know, best buddies, you know, my, my um, best friends at work um, yeah. straight away. So it's going to be about building that relationship. But, um, and you know, and sometimes it, it doesn't work. You know, sometimes these facilitated discussions don't resolve everything. But actually, at least you've had a go and you've, you've seen, uh, you know, you, you've facilitated it. You've managed it well. You've done your best as the manager. And actually, if these two people still can't get on, still can't see each other's point of view, then maybe there's something else that you need to do. And it might be that you need to you know, put them into different teams or you need to, um, you know, maybe there's a there's a, some sort of other process. You know, I was saying about before about looking in the mirror. Is there something else going on? Is there is there a bigger issue at play here? Is there a health issue or a mental health issue that actually means that this can't be resolved? And yeah. it and it might sometimes be um, that you know one party or both parties are neurodivergent, and you have to take that into account as well. There's a lot of complexity, obviously, mm-hmm. with personalities and with with relationships. Um, so yeah, so so it, it, don't don't think that because you've tried it and it didn't work that it's never going to work. It's you know try again try a different approach, try it with a smaller issue, you know, have another go at it. And it and these things do take time. The facilitated discussions aren't easy um, and you, you need to practice, you know, you need to have a, have a, have, uh, you will get better at it over time. Yeah. Now here's a, here's an interesting perspective and maybe it's sharing too much information from my, from my own life and experience. There were people when I was growing up that we didn't get on and I didn't like them. They didn't like, like me. And, and there are moments where we'd had, real arguments like shouting match arguments and even you know physical fighting and people then people did become friends and it happened a lot in in the groups that I grew up with it's almost like the conflict I don't know unwound everything and then and people did become friends um and there was this whole story as I grew up of like, oh, guys can do it easier because they have an argument and then they they sort it out and they move on. And it, it's all out in the open. Do you see a gender difference in this or is that just like people from St. Helens where I was from? <laughs> That's a good question. I'd be interested to know what happened between the fighting and the friendship. So you had the fight. Yeah. Very... And then you were friends. But what happened between... I think I think it, it was essentially about kind of respect that you, you 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 kind of learned to respect someone, or you then took a moment. So almost like the, the tension and the, and the physical tension um, was like a catalyst to pay more attention to what they said and and mm. their and their perspective and their opinion, and it was almost like you know I you I I now entitle you to that opinion. And it, I don't know whether it was like, you know, there was a, there was a tension that then dissipated because, because it, you kind of got it out of the, out of your system. And I've said what I wanted to say, and I don't, you know, I don't like the way you behave in class, or I don't like the way you treat certain people. And I need to tell you about it. And we're going to shout about it. But now I've told you, there's not much more I can do. It was that kind of sense. And, and so, and it also almost gave permission in the future for you to raise the same issue. So, 
without the tension. So, you know, I didn't like the way you tra- treated someone. I've told you before. And they're like, yeah, okay. And, and, and that, it, it kind of be- became an issue that we could now discuss. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that was, you know, I don't, and I, as I said, I don't know whether that was something special, but it, it seemed to happen more easily with, with the guy friends that I knew than, than with the girlfriends who seemed to leave lots of things unsaid. And I'm just curious. Right. So I, I would argue that there are parallels between the boys fight and then the sort of um, calm after the storm, as it were. Yeah. Um, and this having these facilitated discussions and actually that, the, you know, they're, they're the grown up version of the fight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, that's why I asked you what happened in between. In between, yeah. you felt heard, you felt understood, you saw the other person's point of view. You didn't necessarily agree with it, but you got it, and there was a, a, a different level of understanding. Yeah, and I would I would argue the same. The parallel is true there. So I'm not actually sure whether whether I can draw any um, sweeping generalizations between the genders. Um, yeah, that, that, that does tend to be. I, I suppose I do notice there are often tensions with women who that, that don't like to speak it up. You know, don't like to. You know, that are less likely to to call something out. Yeah. less likely to want to you know oh gosh that would be awkward no I think I'd rather just quietly moan about these people behind their back yeah which um, which is a, there's a whole load of reasons why that might be the case which yeah yeah awesome. yeah absolutely and you know and it's part of its socialization and and you know societal norms and expectations and um and yeah yeah let's let's not let's not try and uh, solve all those issues <laughs> on one little podcast but um yeah there's the but I think both, both, you know, any gender could be, can benefit from a facilitated discussion where you're, I suppose, just showing each other respect and yeah. feeling heard and listened to, and um, and trying to put yourself in another person's shoes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. So, Kate, what would what would your advice be? Given you know we're, we're running out of time now, what would be the your advice for people who are thinking about how to dissipate tension within their team within their group? where where could they start and and what would you suggest yeah I think it's all about starting to have open and honest conversations that are without judgment so taking away that idea of blame that was the thing we talked about right at the beginning of the of this conversation and actually just saying you know even if it's you having having a bit of tension with somebody else saying things like I'd love to have a chat with you about how we work together I sort of sense that there's a tension and I really would love it if we could talk that through and, and see if we could make it so that it doesn't feel like that for us both. How do you feel about that? And and so just going back to what you said earlier on about the running the conversation, it's about I. I yeah. feel, I, yeah. no, I notice, I observe. Mm-hmm. Does that apply to this conversation as well? I feel mm-hmm. tension, mm-hmm. not necessarily there is tension between us because I guess that's inviting someone else to say, no, there isn't. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So yes, using I statements, and I love the phrase I notice, um, you know, we use it all the time in coaching, but using it in, within um, workplace conversations can be really helpful. And, and even if it's a line manager who's saying to a, a, a team member who maybe turned up late for a client meeting, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than saying, oh, you're always late, it's really embarrassing. I hate it when you do that. You know, you made me feel awful which immediately puts that person on the defensive and, you know, you haven't even given them a chance to explain why they were late to say to them, 
potentially, you know, preferably privately as well, not in public, because that's the worst thing is when people yeah. get pulled up in public, um, is to say, oh, look, I noticed you were late on Wednesday, you know, be really specific. Um, and I felt a bit awkward with the client because they were expecting us to be there on time and we didn't have a chance to do a pre-briefing. Um, so I felt a bit on the back foot. What could we do to make sure that that doesn't happen next week? Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's totally. a totally different tone, totally different approach from saying you're always late. You made me feel awful, mm. very attacking. And the, the person's likely to be either pushed into a corner and made feel to feel very small or to push into a corner and made to feel like they need to come out and attack you. Yeah. So very defensive. And I guess you only need one experience in your career of somebody who says, well, my mother died on Wednesday or something ridiculous, yeah. you know, I'll say ridiculous, but something like that when you kind of go, oh my goodness, like if, if I'd known that I wouldn't have treated them that way. And, yeah. and, and I, and I've certainly seen, seen those moments in my career that, and they stick with you. Absolutely. And just taking, taking the opportunity to ask the open question, yeah. And also to find out what what was going on for the other person. So if they do, if they've done something wrong, or, um, or in your eyes anyway, or if a project um, you know didn't go as well as it might do, to say um, to walk into a room as a leader and say, right, everyone, this is the issue, uh, and this is what I think the solution should be. What does everyone else think? You know, you've taken away their agency and their their you know thought process. They don't even bother. Yeah. Whereas if, to your point earlier about how, you know, how do you decide what the issue is that you're going to do this conflict resolution on? Do you let the people decide? Absolutely. And when it comes to reviewing how a project has gone to say, OK, so, you know, what, was, what were the challenges and what did we learn? Actually having some background noise mm. He's just left. OK. <laughs> um, what, was, what did I just say then? Um, <laughs> I've forgotten what I said now. Um, Talking about the people who have, um, you know, what's the conflict and which topic do you pick on? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a bit the same when when you, you were talking earlier about, you know, how do you let do you let the people choose the topic that they're going to have uh, facilitated conflict management about? Um, it's going into a meeting after a, a, a project that maybe didn't go quite as well as you'd hoped and say, um, you know, what were the challenges and what did we learn? Um, opens up that that conversation so that the you can find out what people's points of view are so like you were saying before about you know you were late because something tragic had happened in your life actually ask the question you know and it might be that they that the people tell you that the technology failed them and you didn't have any idea about that and there you are you know saying heads will roll and actually it was a it was a database fault or whatever yeah and and you you know you can make yourself look a little less uh on you know on uh, on the ball if you if you make sweeping assumptions that it's somebody's fault rather than um uh you know an issue that you weren't aware of yeah and and, and the things that just reflect f- with me um from this conversation is dignity allowing both sides to have dignity and that's yeah. you know connected to um assuming positive intent and and that they didn't get up this morning to to be difficult you know they they didn't get up this morning and decide you know i'm going to be late for this meeting with a client yeah. something whatever that is was in the way now that could be that they were disorganized and poorly planned mm-hmm. in which case we can discuss it or it could be something tragic happened or there was some problem that was genuine outside of their control but until you understand what that is treat them with respect and dignity and and you know you're, you're you're likely to build that mutual respect. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Kate, 
wonderful conversation. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about where people can find more about contacting you, working with you, um, and and how to get in touch with you. Sure. So um, we talked about my name earlier on, didn't we, Chris? It's <laughs> we did. Uh, Kate Waterfall Hill. So Waterfall's my maiden name and Hill is my married name, but I choose to go by Kate Waterfall Hill because there's only one of me. So you can, f- I think anyway, you can find me um, on LinkedIn, uh, that's Kate Waterfall Hill. Um, I'm on TikTok. I post there daily because I have an alter ego called Linda who does uh, little skits on how to be a bad manager. Uh, hopefully make, <laughs> raising a little bit of a smile and also awareness of, of what you might uh, need um, some support on in terms of upskilling your leadership. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook um, and my website's waterfallhill.co.uk. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Kate. Wonderful conversation. So much there for people to take away. Lovely. Thank you very much, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Welcome to the Commercial Edge podcast with me, the founder of Foxley, Chris Webber. In each episode, I talk to a different expert. They tell me about their experiences, their ideas, and their knowledge on how to get the best out of people and business. We discuss the issues that are facing businesses and talk through the lessons that they've learned in solving these problems. I'm going to provide you with insight, experiences, and tips that you can use to get the most from the people around you and unleash the power of people. So let's meet my guest for today's episode.